0: Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Right in the book of Psalms, so that'll make it super easy for you. We're going to look at Psalm 100 first. Then we're going to back up a little bit earlier in the psalm, and we're going to look at Psalm 22, and then we're going back towards the end. We're going to look at Psalm 133. Psalm 100, Psalm 22, and Psalm 133. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been spending a little time looking at, studying, meditating in passages like John John 16, 33, where Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. How many of you know we're having a little tribulation right now in the world? In fact, Matthew 24 kind of outlines what some of those things look like. Wars and rumors of wars. Sickness all over the place, in and out of the communities, all around the globe. Talks about economic pressures, and talks about cancel cultures. And Jesus just lists all those things and said, these are going to happen. But listen, don't be deceived. And don't be afraid because the end's not yet. All those things are the birth pains. All those things are just letting us know. Contractions are well underway for a new, uh, a a next season in the eternity of God uh, to be birthed. But it's not yet. We're not there yet. But but boy, I was thinking this week, and I don't know about you. I've been praying for the people of Ukraine. I've been praying for the people of Russia that God would protect them, God would provide. No, nobody in that nation, except for, you know, some of the leaders on the, on the uh, Russian side, nobody in that nation wants war. Nobody wants this stuff. Everybody's wanting peace. Everybody's wanting their families to do well, and they're stuck in this situation. But we can pray. We can believe God. We need to be praying for our nation as well. We need to be praying for the other nations around the world that are trying to make a decision, you know, where do they stand and what side and whether they're going to engage or not. And it's time to pray. We need to be praying for what's going on in our country as well and in our community. We got a lot of people in this church that are out sick right now. This little 24-hour, 36-hour bug that's going around, whatever it is. And uh, and then and then you know because of the war and because of everything happening inflation you know there's no good news out there at all right now everything is about it's going to get worse and prices are going up and listen again don't be deceived and don't be afraid in fact John 16:33 we've already quoted it said Jesus said be of good cheer be of good cheer it means put yourself in a good frame of mind Remember, God's in control of all this. This covenant we've been studying, it's real. It's not just real when things are going good. It's real when things are at their worst. And everything Jesus listed there in Matthew 24, he said, you don't need to be afraid of any of it because I am right there with you. I'm going to walk you all the way through. Nothing's taking him by surprise. He knew this is happening. He's watching it unfold. And he's made provision for his people. And so we need to be leaning in. This is not a time to go to sleep. It's not a time to play games. It's time to to pay attention because we're we're in the move of what God's doing here. And we've got to not be afraid. We've got to not be deceived, but we've got to be of good cheer. Now, that's a great thing because that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a passion for praise and worship. And you're going to learn some things. We're We're going to talk about three very practical steps. I mean, right from the Bible, like, like you know, a roadmap was, was driven, this is how you walk into it every single time. I don't care where you're at by yourself, in a low moment, if you'll just take these three steps, like literally one, two, three, you'll be in it. And so we're going to talk about how to walk into praise and worship, and then we're going to get to the good stuff. What happens when you do? The Bible's really clear. And it's not arbitrary. It's not hit and miss. It's not depending on the music or the ambiance or the atmosphere. It's only dependent on one thing, your willingness to obey God and your willingness to engage your heart authentically, like right at the level where you're at. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know all the flowery words to say. Just open up your heart as honest as you know how. Take these three steps. And God says, you take three steps and I'll take three steps. And watch what happens. So we're going to look at that today, and I'm super excited about this because this is one of those studies that, listen, if you've been a Christian for just a short period of time, I promise you, you've experienced this. You'll be like, oh, that's what it was, and, and you, but you just didn't know what it was, now you will. Not only that, if you've been a Christian, you get into these really intense worship services, and there's a part of you that's like, man, I wish I could reproduce that in my own personal life. Man, I wish I could do that, you know, outside of this service at this time, and as soon as you see this, you can. Every time. Every single time. I'm telling you this works. But not only that, Pastor Spencer already mentioned this between what we're going to study today. And I've been praying all week very intense, intensely and intentionally that the Holy Spirit would get some things into our heart today. It wouldn't just be you know, a, a message that we absorb in our mind and we say, man, that was good. That was stimulating. I need to think about it. But we really get it down in our heart because I'm believing God that as we really understand how this works, That we can be people of praise, we can be people of worship, we can be people that are of good cheer, that are full of faith, that are excited, and not only that, but as we come together, the church comes together, and we're different, and the church immediately begins to rise, and we step to a whole nother level, and by the way, once we do, we never go back. God just elevates things and says, okay, now there's a place, and there's a people where I will show up and I'll show up in a profound way, and I'll do profound things among them. It's not up to God. God's already said, here's the roadmap. Here's the three steps, and here's what I promise I'll do. If we will engage, then God will engage, and we'll watch things begin to happen in our own lives, but we'll, we'll watch our ability to minister to other people that are hurting, to people out in the community. We'll, we'll just watch how this impacts. So my prayer is that Uh, That this will have a lasting effect and we'll be able to see some very quick and immediate results, and that'll be the new norm for us. And uh, so I need you to get in faith and believe God with me. Well, I'm ahead of myself just a little bit for those of you that are just joining. Let me kind of quickly take two or three minutes and remind you where are we at? What are we doing? What's the big study? So, we're in a series called Building a Strong Christian Life, and we're talking about developing or redeveloping a passion for the spiritual disciplines. Now, disciplines are really, you know, kind of not a a welcomed word to a lot of people. But we're likening this to following a recipe. If you have a favorite recipe, there's certain ingredients and there's certain proportion to those ingredients. And there's usually a certain timing about when you fold the ingredient in and how long do you have to cook it and whether it has to rest or it has to set for a while before you go to the next, you know, the next phase. But if you'll follow the recipe, you'll get what the recipe promises every single time. And the Bible is very much like this. Christian life is not just hit or miss. Well, well, I'm just trying and maybe the Lord will help me or not. God's a very intentional God. And all the way through the Bible, there are these disciplines that were demonstrated from the Old Testament and then intensifying in the New Testament that when they put these ingredients into their life, they begin to incorporate them the best they could. The Holy Spirit took that mixed it all together, and began to develop in them a solid and a strong, victorious Christian life. And we find out in the Bible, this didn't stop. This is how we should live. We should be understanding how do we rightly divide the Word, and how do we recognize, boy, that's how God wants me to live. And when we respond in obedience, we get the same result that they did in the Old Testament on into the New Testament, and this is what we're studying. Here's what's important for you if you're going to really plug in or if you already have uh, this is an overview. So we could take any one of these things and we can make an entire study, an entire series about it because they're all really powerful components, but it's an overview. So here's what I promise you, you, if you'll open up your heart, here's what I promise you you're going to experience. There's going to be times, and it won't just be one or two, where you'll experience the Holy Spirit's conviction. That's a good thing. Doesn't feel good all the time, but it's a good thing. Because he's pointing something out and, hey, thank you for opening this up. Now that you're here, uh, you need to bring, you need to put a little bit more in that measuring cup. You need to get this a little bit sooner in your life. You need to make sure you got more consistency there. He'll begin to coach you, to convince you, to convict you. Don't run away from that. He's not asking you to be perfect from that moment on. He's asking you to open up your heart and say, well, then help me. Well, then teach me well, then strengthen me because I'm being honest with you. I don't even like that ingredient. Yeah, but he can develop your taste buds. He can change your appetites. He can make you hungry for the very thing that right now you just don't even want to participate in because you need these things in your life. So listen, you're going to experience conviction. Lean into that. The Holy Spirit's trying to help you. But listen, you also may experience condemnation. And you know the difference because conviction, the Lord's inviting you in. Condemnation, you feel like he's pushing you out. Because you don't do this, yeah, that's why I don't want to be around you. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is very, very clear. There is no room for condemnation in any of our lives ever as Christians, ever. Anytime you feel God's pushing you away, you know just instantly that's not God. I don't care. On your worst day, when you just intentionally thumbed your nose at him in rebellion, God won't push you away. And so condemnation never belongs. So if you feel any condemnation, reject that immediately. Throw that away. That's a lie. That's the enemy whispering. That's my own heart condemning me because I just don't know any better yet. But lean into conviction and allow the Holy Spirit to help you because this is a a great series to realign some things in our life. All right. All right praise and worship. All the way through the Bible, from the beginning all the way to the end, praise and worship has always been one of the biggest parts of being a believer, a God follower. And you just see that it's essential to the life, starting in the Old Testament with David, where it really begins to take shape and frame in. David was a passionate worshiper that God anointed, and then he used to write psalms, or those, that's just a word for songs, And he literally became the premier instructor to the whole people of Israel for how we are to approach God into worship. Well, listen, he was so used of God that we get into the New Testament and we find that David's influence can be seen all over the life of Christ. He didn't try to reinvent this. He just picked up what the Holy Spirit used David to teach. And he began to live that out and demonstrate it. And then he passed it on to his disciples, who at some point would become apostles, would be the ones leading the New, the New Testament church as it was birthed. And he taught them how to worship. And you can literally just kind of run your finger all the way down through Christian history until here we are over 2000 years later, and we're still doing the same things that David taught about in the Old Testament. It, listen, it's literally in gatherings all over the world. There's a lot of doctrinal differences and a lot of philosophical differences and a lot of ways that churches run you know, their organization. But listen, what unifies almost every church, or at least it's growing phenomenally, is worship. Is worship. Worship is coming alive, and people are understanding that. So if we really want to understand worship, it just seems very logical. Well, then let's go back to Psalm. That's the guy who first, the Holy Spirit first used to teach it. So let's go back. So we're going to look at Psalm 100 first. And Psalm 100 is going to give us, it's a little short Psalm, five verses long. It's two, in two different parts. The first part of the Psalm is literally just going to tell you, this is what you should be doing all the time if you're a God follower, this is what you should be doing on a regular basis. You should read that and think, yeah, I I do all those things. This is what you should be doing. But then we're going to get to the last two verses and it's going to give you that three-step roadmap. And this is how to do it. Every time. I mean, you you just come out of a a cold, drab, you're kind of numb, you're exhausted, you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, and you, boy, I just really want to be, you know, back on top, I really want to be encouraged, three steps, three steps, every single time, never fails, God always does what he promises he would do, three steps, so let's just read them together, we're in verse number one, Psalm 100, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing and do it knowing that he's the Lord. He is God. He, it's he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now that should characterize your life. You should be coming all the time, shouting to the Lord, singing to the Lord, reverently reverently recognizing, hey, I'm not God, you're God. I don't get to make all these choices. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't don't know how to feed myself and provide for myself and heal myself and lead myself and protect myself. You're the one who does that. And there's lots of Psalms that expound on this. Psalm 23, one of the most popular. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He provides for me. He protects me. And and all, all of this is expounded on. But in these first few verses, David's saying, listen, this should characterize the life of anybody who's a God follower, who's trying to live in God's rhythms. If this is kind of light on the shallow end, you need to consider that. Because this is a daily, daily interaction with God. You should be, you should be seeing this stuff spotted all throughout your day, not just once in a while, every single day. These are the kinds of things that should be happening. So if if the first three verses tells you what to do, then here's part two, we're in verse number four and five, and it's going to tell you how to do it. Once again, listen, I want you to, I want you to hear this so practical and so relevant because that's the way David meant it. But this is quite literally a step by step by step, three steps that you can walk into praise and worship anytime, any place, anywhere, anyone, all the any's, just put all those in there. It's three steps, and God literally is inviting you, saying, This is not hard. All you have to do is what I'm asking you step one, two, three, and you're gonna to begin to experience the presence of the Lord right there where you are, in your car, in your shower, in your home, uh, in your office, in the bathroom of your office, in the middle of a big meeting that you feel stressed about, or, or in church. You're going to experience this every time. And so here's the three steps. They're super simple. Number one, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So I want you to picture you're walking along the road of life. It's really hot. It's really bumpy. And there's this beautiful, beautiful place, and, and you, you can tell, I just need to go in there and get refreshed. I need to cool off. I need to get something to drink. I need to get something to eat and just rest a little bit. And you swing the gate open to walk in. You enter the gate with thanksgiving. And not only that, you keep walking through the courtyards of, of, of the of entrance. The you do it with praise. Listen, be thankful to him. I'll mention that in just a minute. And here's the third one, and bless his name. That's literally the Hebrew word Barak, and it's where we're going to connect the dots in just a minute. In the New Testament, it's where we would get worship. So the three steps are thanksgiving, then praise, and then something happens that escorts you inside of the house where the presence of the Lord is, and that becomes worship. And you say, verse 5 says, why would we do this? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord is good. He's really good. And listen to this. For some of you think, yeah, but I really messed up. And his mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. And not only that, and his truth endures to all generations. So God says, I have something really good to give you. I have plenty of mercy, man. My heart's so tender. I understand life can be really tough. You made a mistake. You made the wrong choice. Don't worry about that. Let's fix that up. And by the way, I'm going to point you in the right direction. My truth lasts in every generation. It's not irrelevant. It's not antique. It's not, well, you know, that's the Bible. It's kind of traditional stuff. God's truths are timeless and they're tested you want to get your life back on track? The truth of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God all come together, and we experience that as we walk into Thanksgiving and then praise and then worship. I'm talking a little more about it, but I'm kind of setting a framework for you, all right? Now, I think we know a lot about Thanksgiving. Probably not everything, and we could probably study that one. But just for time's sake, I'm going to not put emphasis on Thanksgiving except for to say— It said that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we come into his courts with praise, it says and we're thankful, it repeats it again. Because you'll find that as you're walking into thanksgiving, praise and worship of the Lord, thanksgiving never really stops, it kind of weaves through the whole thing. Your heart just becomes more aware of who God is and you're just more and more humbled with gratitude, more and more appreciative that he never walked away from you. More and more wanting for him to just lean in and keep doing what he's already begun. So Thanksgiving just kind of wafts into this. It's the first step, but it wafts all the way through everything else. But we want to lean in and understand some more about what the other two are, praise and worship. And so here's the first question. What is praise? And I'm going to take you to a scripture that Jesus quoted from the Psalms when he was teaching in Matthew chapter 21 verse 16. Now, Jesus is responding to the religious leaders in in the synagogue, and they're upset because the youth there got super excited and super enthused about uh, praising and worshiping God, and they were way too loud. They're just messing the whole service up. Listen, we, that, that's not who we are. And they're just being way too loud, way too expressive. And the religious leaders were fussing about it. And Jesus said to them in uh, Matthew 21:16, Jesus said to them, yes, but have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Now, he's literally quoting Psalm chapter 8, and that's important that you understand because we'll come back and I'll show you a little something there in just a moment. But first, let's understand what he said. He said, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've perfected praise. That word perfected uh, is a Greek word that literally means to arrange something, to set it in, in a right systematic order, but it also means to adjust something if anything was out of place or anything was lacking. So it literally means to put something in its proper order so that, that something unfolds the way it's supposed to. And Jesus said it's perfected praise. Well, the word praise here is the Greek word that literally means to tell a story or to give a proverb that comes with a lesson at the end. You know, you little, little tiny, little tiny one or two-liner, and there's the big, the big wisdom, there's the big lesson. And, uh, and, 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 and that, this is what Jesus said. But, but the reason I, I told you he quoted Psalm 8 too, because when David originally wrote it, David said that out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength. And that word in the Hebrew literally means to become firm or to become strong or to become solid and unshakable. When you put all of this together, here's what it's telling us that praise is literally telling the story of God. Telling the story of God that we know to be true from the Word of God. Telling the story of God that you know to be true from your own experience. Who He is. What He's done for you. Telling about what He's done for the people that you know in your own family. For friends and other people that you know at church. Oh, I got to tell you what happened to so and so. Because remember they were in that spot. Yeah, we were all praying. Let me just tell you what happened. It's telling the story of God. And, and here's what the Bible saying is no matter how young the teller is. Anytime the story of God is put back right again, anytime the story of God unfolds as it should, people's lives are strengthened. It it makes you stronger. You know, we all have those times where like, I don't even know what's going on, what God's trying to do. But when somebody comes and begins to tell the story, well, I don't know what's going on there, but let me just tell you what God said. Let me just tell you what the Bible says. Let me just tell you what I've experienced. Let me just tell you what's happened in our own family over and over and over and over again. And when God's story begins to unfold, And all of the things that he's done and all of the things that that he is and all the things he promised he would do begins to come in line. The story just adjusts itself and we begin to realize, oh yeah, that's right. I don't know what's going on here, but we know who God is and our lives are strengthened. And so praise is really, really important, because as we open up for thanksgiving, then we begin to tell the story and line up, and we remind ourselves exactly who God is, exactly what he's promised, how faithful he is, no matter how crazy things look. We've been here before, he pulled us through, he's going to pull us through again, because he said he would do it every time. This is telling the story, reminding ourselves, of who he is and what he's promised. Well, let's grab that one more word and then we'll kind of see how it all fits together uh, and how God responds. And it's the word bless in Psalm 100, bless his name. But we're going to find in the New Testament, it's really the word worship. And so the word bless here in the Hebrews, is the word barak. And, uh, and, and in the New Testament, it's this word proskoneo. And, and you'll see in just a moment. Uh, but both of them depicts this intimate adoration. It literally means, if, if you're picturing what, figure, what literally happens, it means to fall on the knees as an expression of reverence. Or it could mean to prostrate yourself, to lay all the way flat, lay all the way out trying, trying to represent, man, my whole life is laid out before you. Uh, but, but it could be either physically you're actually doing it, or it could be a, a, a matter of the heart and the mind. It's a decision. So there's times where you may be worshiping here, and in your mind, you are completely laid out before the Lord. In your heart, you're laying it all out before the Lord, but physically, you're still standing here because you're just not in a place that you can actually do that right then. But it literally means that we're supposed to do this. Now, in the broadest sense of worship, if we look comprehensively at the Word of God, worship is everything in our life. Everything you do, everything you are, no matter what you're doing during the day, you do it as an act of surrender. As an act of appreciation and of adoration to the God that we serve, everything's an expression of worship. But we're really dialing this in uh, the study in on times that we come together. we sing, times that we're verbally expressing something to the Lord, whether we're by ourselves or we're, we're in this context. And that's important you understand that, because just because you come sing a song doesn't mean you're worshiping. Just you, because you stand quietly and reverently, you know, out of respect to God, that nah, doesn't mean you're worshiping. Just because you do some religious thing, some religious act, maybe one of the traditions that we have, listen, that's not worship. Worship requires that there, there is an intimate exchange in the heart. Worship requires that you're just not doing something physically on the outside. You're just not modifying your behavior. Worship requires that something in your heart has fully surrendered to the Lord. And that's part of the reason why David said sometimes that takes a three-step process. You can't just come out of everyday life. You can't just wake up out of sleep and you know get your hair fixed up and run into the church and just immediately worship. Sometimes you're going to have to remind yourself about just how good God's been. You're gonna have to begin to thank God. You're gonna have to begin to to work your heart and say, come on, let's clear all the stuff away, all the distractions, all the frustrations, all the things that I feel like are heavy on me. Let's just push those to the side for a moment and let's just begin to, to remind ourselves how blessed we are already we already are my mom used to sing this old time song called count your blessings count your blessings name them one by one count your blessings see what the lord has done and 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 there's times that i'll literally just begin counting my blessings sometimes i'll walk around the house lord thank you for a house thank you that we have a wonderful place to live because i remember a time in our life we never thought we'd get a house like ever we're in ministry. It's like it's just never going to happen. And yet, God was faithful and we were believing God. And there came a point we were able to get one and we were pinching ourselves. And we're so grateful for that. We've never lost that appreciation, that, that gratitude, to the Lord, for doing things like that. So you start with thanksgiving, and then you remind yourself, you know what, that's not the only thing he's done, but he's done some pretty big stuff. And you go back through the records of your life, and you remember what, you know, what your other friends and your relatives have told you, and then you start remembering. You know, the Bible actually says that God did that for a lot of people back in the Bible. And God actually said he'd do that over and over again. You begin to tell the story. Let me tell you what happened. Somewhere along the the line, as you're thanking the Lord, as you're telling God's story, something happens in your heart. And you'll experience it. Your heart begins to soften. For some of you, a big old lump will well up in your throat. A tear might come to your eyes. But you'll experience the softening. You know what? You put yourself in a position to worship. Now the adoration begins. Now the real intimate connection with the Lord begins. Now, you're not so panicked on the outside and trying to seize control of, and how do I somehow navigate this situation? Now you're kind of hands off and saying, Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. But listen, that requires an intentional calibration of the heart. And the Bible just lays it out clear you can do this anytime. I don't care how frustrated, twisted up, angry, resentful, bitter you are. Anytime that you want to just till up your heart, just calibrate your heart, just start in Thanksgiving may take a minute, may have to stay there for a little bit, and then move on into praise, it'll just escort you right into the next step, into praise, and as you move in thanksgiving and praise, you stay there long enough, sometimes it's just a moment or two, other times it'll take a few minutes, depending on how compact you are, but it won't be very long, something will shift in your heart, and it's worship, your heart begins to soften, and sometimes your eyes fill with tears, mine always do, I'm super tender hearted with the Lord. I can hardly get through a prayer time that I'm not just crying. My heart's so soft. Lord, I belong to you. This whole thing is about you. Everything we're trying to do here, it's all going to burn. This whole thing is about you. And my heart just softens. And when that happens, you know that you're in a time of worship. And listen to me, this is a powerful, powerful thing. I can't overemphasize the fact that this is not arbitrary. It has nothing to do with the worship music you're playing, has nothing to do with the worship team, has nothing to do, oh, this is my favorite song. All of those things stimulate our emotions and those are great, but none of that is really praise or worship. It's the opportunity. It's kind of like the pretty stepping stones that make it more pleasant for us sometimes. But listen to me, all by yourself, If you will begin to give thanksgiving from the Lord in your own clumsy words, sometimes they're hard to find. But if you'll begin to just thank the Lord, I'm telling you, praise will begin to come and worship comes. I'll just give you a little hint. I have a few pathways that are in the Bible that help me because sometimes it's a little harder for me to get started. And so if you've been with me anytime, you've heard Psalm 103. Psalm 103. The first few verses in Psalm 103, it's like, it's like I just know it's just going to walk me into it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, and don't forget any of his benefits. And then it just gives me some benefits. And I just begin, Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you forgave all of my sins. And if nobody else is around, I might list a few of them. Things that I was embarrassed about. Things that I carried shame and guilt for. Things that I wish I could do over again, but I can't. And he's washed me clean from all of that. He's made me feel so righteous in front of him. So accepted and so loved. And and I just begin to thank you for giving me all of my sins. You heal all of my diseases. You redeem my life from destruction. Anywhere that I feel like I've fallen into a deficit anywhere that I'm below the line, when I want to be above the line, you promised me you would bring me back up and you'd redeem that, put my feet on a solid ground and begin to increase and promote me. This is your promise to me. Crown me with loving kindness and tender mercies. And then the Bible says, he'd satisfy and fulfill my life. Put it all together in a package so that I'm I'm so fulfilled. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my life. It's such an adventure. God, this is the life that I never knew I always wanted And this is what God does. It's it's, it's just a great pathway for you. You can find there's a number of others in the psalm. Now, I want to turn a corner real quick because now we're going to get to the good part. That's the practical part. And I'm telling you, it, it, it works every single time. If you've not done it before, sometimes it'll take a little longer. And sometimes, you know, you're expecting some big magic emotion. And I promise you, God will show up and you'll feel that. But you have to recalibrate some stuff and you have to understand what does it mean to walk into God's presence and to do it every single time. I promise you, anybody Everybody can do it anytime, everywhere, all the way through the Bible. Moses was in the middle of a pandemic that was killing people right and left. I mean, in the moment, he's watching people die all over the place. And he ran right into the secret place, the Bible says, and he worshiped the Lord. And the presence of God fell. We know that, that we had a couple of the disciples, you know, were in, in the bottom of a dungeon, rat infested, disease infested, dark and dank, and they're in chains with guards all over the place, and they just began to praise and worship God, and the presence of the Lord came. I'm telling you, anywhere, anytime, anybody, you can do this, and in fact, Psalm 100 began and said, you should be doing this every single day. Yeah, but pastor, but life's really hard. I, I just don't feel like, and there's the problem. There's the problem. We, we come to church and we're waiting to feel God before we enter in. When David said, don't wait to feel God. Begin to work thanksgiving and praise and worship and God will come. Every time. You say, I know, but, th- but that's just really hard. I know that's why Hebrews thirteen fifteen calls it a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you're going to have to scrape from the bottom and get your last little ounce of thanksgiving. I mean, the one that you didn't even know was there, and you find a little tiny crumb of thanksgiving, and you bring that and offer it up. But when you do, it's a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And every time you do, God shows up. David said that, and I'm telling you, this is true. It's all the way through the Bible. Well, here's what's even more exciting. What's more exciting is when you do these three steps, God promises that he will respond with three steps of his own. By the way, if you're following along in the workbook, most of what I just walked through is not in there. That's kind of extra for you. But starting now, you'll see these three points in the workbook if you'd like to follow along. Here's number one. Praise and worship, particularly worship, brings God's presence. Well, praise and worship brings God's presence. In Psalm 22.3, Pastor Spencer quoted, it says this it says, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now, it sounds like a wonderfully poetic uh, verse, but you need to really understand just how practical and how applicable this is, because this is both an insight, but it's a promise of God. God says that as a holy God, that he's enthroned in the praises of his people. I love the fact that he said in the praises because God's not even going to wait to respond until I get into the worship place. If I'll just begin to thank him, and I'll just begin to tell his story. This is what you've already done for me, and this is what you've done for others, and this is what the Bible says you did for them, and what you've promised to do for us. If I just begin to put the story back in its right context again, the Bible says God shows up right away in the praise, right away in the storytelling. He, he's in the praise, and let me just tell you why. The moment you tell a story, God, this is who you are, God says, okay, let me come and prove that to you. But if you're not telling the story about who you believe God is, then you're not asking that God to show up. God, I just believe you're my provider. Well, then the provider shows up. God, I just believe you're my healer. Then the healer shows up. This is what the Bible means. In fact, that word enthroned literally means to inhabit, or if if it's a literal picture, it can mean to sit as one that's crowned. What that means is as as we begin to, to acknowledge who God is, as we begin to tell a story, then God, the holy God, the sovereign king, he responds to what you're saying and he literally comes and he sets himself up to preside over any individual or any congregation who's telling his story, God shows up. It's like hearing your kids in the other room saying, my dad's stronger. My dad's so strong that I saw him do this one time, and this is what he did. And as a dad, you can't help but step into the room. Somebody talking about me. And this is what God does. It creates an atmosphere that is so wonderful for him, that's so faith-filled and confidence, and and the heart at the acknowledgement, the heart still there, that it almost magnetically pulls him into these atmospheres. Doesn't matter if it's a church, doesn't matter if you're an individual, doesn't matter if you're on a super low day and you're grabbing your last little sacrifice, God responds. And he comes and he, he, he puts himself in a place and says, okay, If that's the story you want to tell, then I will be that for you today. This, this is literally practically what happens. This is why our praise is so important. This is why thanksgiving and praise is so essential because it literally is the divine invitation that pulls God into this. Again, so many Christians are just playing Christian music or playing worship music or waiting until they get to church, you know, and hopefully this is gonna be a good worship because I really need to pick me up. Stop, stop, stop. If if that's kind of where you're coming from, there's a really good chance that your pick-me-up might be limited to just your emotional experience. But if you'll engage this thing, if you'll lean in and you'll say, no, no, no. In fact, Sunday morning, right? If you roll out of bed on Sunday morning and before your feet ever hit the floor, you just say, Lord, I just thank you for another day. And I thank you that your mercy is plenty, plenty, plenty to get me all the way through the day. You already know everything I'm going to encounter. And I just want to let you know that you're a faithful God. You got me through other hard days. Yesterday was one of them. And I'm just thanking you that you're going to get through another one. So you get out there and you're trying to, you know, get dressed and your hair's not working right. And the kids are being crazy and you're trying to get dressed. And Lord, I just thank you for peace in this home. I just thank you, Lord, that you've taken us through some crazy times. Thank you for helping us all to get, get dressed and get in the car so we can get to church on time with our sanity, Lord. That would be wonderful. Lord, I'm just praising you and thanking you for this. See, listen, you're already inviting the presence of the Lord to come. So by the time you get to church, you're bringing God's presence with you. Which, by the way, is what Ephesians chapter 5 says we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to come and show up, hopefully, to get something. We're supposed to show up bringing something with us. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Already having made melody in our heart. And then you just come join the giant orchestration, the giant choir, as all the instruments come together. and, And the presence of God just begins to swell and get so big in the room. We've experienced in this, but that's why. And the more that a congregation will recognize this is how it works legitimately, practically, and they'll just begin to engage, then they'll watch whenever they come together and they gather, they'll watch the worship services just get really big instead of walking out sometimes. Wow, worship was really good today. It can be good every day. Every single day. That's up to us. That's not up to the worship team. That's not up to God. That's up to us. If we'll begin to initiate this, God promises he will come. So step number one, or response number one, worship brings the presence of God. I should say praise and worship brings the presence of God. Here's number two, and it just keeps getting better, so stay with me. God's presence always brings God's glory. Now, glory is a funny word that a lot of Christians don't understand. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a religious word and a spiritual word, and we know it has something to do with God, and, but we don't really understand what that means, especially when we see scriptures where the Bible says that our life should be moving from glory to glory. What does that mean? Well, when we look back at what David taught us in, uh, in the psalm, the word glory in the Old Testament comes from this, this uh, Hebrew word that literally describes the weightiness of of God's presence. And the reason God's weighty, it's not because, you know, he, he needs to go on a diet or something, but God's weighty because God, whenever God shows up, God never shows up empty handed. God is God all the time. And so God shows up carrying miracles, carrying healing, carrying deliverance, Carrying mercy, carrying grace, carrying encouragement, carrying wisdom. God brings the full array of everything that he is and everything that he does with him. He never goes anywhere without those things. And every time God shows up, quite literally a weightiness enters the atmosphere. In fact, this is what the prophet said in Isaiah 6 verse 1. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, listen to this, sitting on his throne. So he's enthroned himself. He's inhabited praises now. And it said, high and lifted up, and listen to this, and the train of his robe filled the temple. When God walked in in his royal kingly robe to sit on the throne because his people were saying, you're our great king, you're our great lord. You're the one who presides over all of this, and God says, okay, and he literally came and put himself on a throne to preside over that individual or those people, and when he did, the Bible says his train, his royal robe, which represents all of his majesty and all of his authority and all of his riches and all of his abilities, that, that robe just covers the sanctuary, just, co- just completely in, in, uh, in, in, in encompasses, and Isaiah's looking at this, and he catches a glimpse. he's like, wow. Well, that's exactly what we experience. In fact, when we get into the New Testament, the word glory moves to the Greek word doxa, where we get doxology. It's like, you know, the, the final climacting song after we've been in this wonderful pageantry of experience God's presence, and the final climaxing song just kind of brings it all together in this big crescendo. That's exactly what the word means, and it includes everything the Old Testament describes but the New Testament adds some words that we didn't have. they didn't have the privilege that they did in the Old Testament like we do. It adds discernment, it adds judgment, and it adds God's splendor. In other words, the relationship with God, with New Testament believers, is much more personal. It's much more intimate because we've literally been born into the house of God. Because we literally have the spirit of the living God living in us. And when God comes in with all of his weightiness and and the robe fills the temple, he doesn't just come in with a one size fits all, but he comes in and he begins examining people's lives, examining their heart, examining what their heart's crying out for. And God begins to discern and to make judgment and begins to demonstrate himself on an individual basis. God says, okay, you need that. You got it. Okay, you need this today. You got it. Okay, this is what you're asking me for. I hear you. I'm right with you. And I'm going to talk to you about that. But right now, here, you got it. And God begins individualizing this. But he comes with, with this complete array in this robe. And the Bible says every single time he shows up, he inhabits your praise. He shows up when you're still telling stories and your heart's still getting calibrated. God shows up and sets up a throne and says, that's exactly. And the moment you sense that the heart begins to soften and worship begins to flow, then you need to understand God is unpacking miracles for you. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what he does. God's saying, okay, now that that you're at that place and you're in a place to receive, he says, okay, I'm gonna begin to open up these treasures and I'll begin to spill them out to you and you'll begin to experience the miraculous things from the Lord. Listen, sometimes we feel that. Sometimes we just experience, oh my goodness, God's in the house. But sometimes we don't when you feel it, listen, lean into that. Don't try to, you know, shut it down. If tears begin to flow, let them flow. If you feel like you need to kneel down, kneel down. If you feel like arms straight up and you're just having a moment with God, then arms straight up, moment with God. Listen carefully. If, if you have a need in your life and there's prayer and altar team people, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why when God's giving out miracles, and, and his robe is just emptying itself. And the weightiness of God's presence, why people aren't up here, because I happen to know people have needs. And God's like, hey, I'm handing out miracles. Come and, and let people lay hands on you. That's what the Bible says. And let them, let them dispense these. Let them be part of this process. Instead of just kind of, oh, you know, that, I don't, that's kind of weird. I don't even know. If, what God's handing out miracles. And when we begin to understand that, we don't hold back. But listen to me, even if you don't feel it, even if by the end, you know, when, when it's obvious God's in the house and you can see people's lives being changed and hands are going up and tears coming down people's face and people are coming down to get prayed for and you're like, I don't feel anything. That's okay, lean in anyway. Lean in anyway because the Bible says if you'll take a step, God will run towards you. And so when you feel it, I mean, that's incredible. That's a blessing right there. But even if you don't feel it, we lean in by faith. And we say, but this is what God said. We've thanked him. We've praised him. I know he's here. And now we're worshiping him. And he's dispensing the miracles. He's dispensing everything that we need. I'm not going to miss out on that. And you come down, even that as an act of humility and obedience. So the first one is... Um, Whenever we, whenever we praise and worship, God inhabits those praises. The second one is, every time God shows up anywhere, God never comes empty-handed. He brings His glory with Him, and that glory is weighted down with anything and everything you would need. And God comes saying, I want to give this to you. I didn't show up just to show you what I can do. I showed up to do it for you. Here's the third one and the final one. God's glory always brings us into unity. Now listen, don't think about just the organization of the church. God's, God's presence, God's glory always brings us into unity first in your personhood. Some, you've heard yourself say this, right? Well, my heart's right, but I'm just so stressed and I'm just so frustrated. Why? Because you're, you, you have a, 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 a spirit, you are a spirit, you have emotions and a mind, a kind of a processing center, and then you live in a physical body and sometimes those things get all out of line. You're not right physically, you're right in your heart, but man, my mind's just, I just can't seem to get past this, and you're all frustrated. Listen, when God's glory comes in, he just puts all that back in alignment again. This is why you'll walk out of a worship service. And, and even though you don't know how the problem's gonna get solved, and all the frustration's still there, and you gotta drive right back to it, or right back into the office, in that moment, you're just like, I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I just feel great, though. It's because worship puts you back in alignment again. It unified you, spirit, soul, and body, put you all back in alignment. And that's the first most important thing because that's where the flow comes from. That's where the flow of God's continued wisdom and he'll continue to do miraculous things, supernatural things is when you're in alignment and you don't have any kinks and and the pipe just doesn't work. But not only that, He does unify us as a congregation, because we can come together, and we came from all different things going on, and all different, you know, some, some, some of us are on the high note, others are way down at the bottom, but the Lord will just come and bring us together, and we'll experience the canopy of His glory come over, and we're unified in God's presence, and we're unified in an experience, and we walk out saying, did you feel that? Oh my goodness! Did you sense that? And we're all together in one and God brings us together as a spiritual family. Let me, let me show you real quick and we'll be done right here. Let me show you a picture of what David wrote about. In Psalm 133, it's the last one I ask you to turn to. Just three verses long, but listen to this. He said, behold how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's so much in those two words, good and pleasant. We don't have time to unpack it. But they're not just shallow little descriptives. They're rich, rich, rich. Latent with what God wants to do. But it says, when brethren dwell together in unity. Other translations say, when, when brethren stand together in the house of the Lord. Another translation say, when, when brethren come together as one. And so he says, it's a wonderful, pleasant, it's such a good, rich thing. Verse 2, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard. So picture someone who's kneeling before the Lord and this anointing, this sacred oils being poured on this person's head as a way of designating that this person is authorized by God now to, to work in behalf of the people for God and to dispense all of God's wonderful things. It says, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, and listen whose head and beard it is, the beard of Aaron running down onto the edge of his garments. So it's talking about the high priest in the Old Testament who stood between the Lord and the people. And God began to pour his anointing down. And it not only on his head, it got in his beard and rolled all the way down to, to the bottom of his feet, to his robes. This is a representation of the body of Christ. It will start, the pouring will start and it'll go all the way down. I don't care if you feel like you're brand new, man, I'm bar- I don't know what's going on, I'm barely plugged in. If I am the bottom of the little toe of the body of Christ, that anointing oil gets all the way down and touches everybody up and down, all the way up and down the body. But not only that, he says this. uh, He said, it's like the dew on Hermon. This is the mountain there, by the way. Descending upon the mounts of Zion. And listen, for there, the Lord commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. This is not when, when God's presence shows up. This is not, well, you know, there might be a pot. God commands. When he comes as the reigning king with all of his glory and all of his weightiness, and he begins to empty that on his people, it's not a suggestion. This is not a good opportunity. God's commanding and God's saying, do it. Do it. Be resourced. Be healed. He's commanding the blessing. But here's a key. Listen, he said it's like the dew of Haran. Did you know that God's grace is kind of like dew? Moisture's always in the air. Always in the air. But the atmosphere has to adjust. And when the atmosphere adjusts and the atmosphere gets right, that moisture that's in the air liquefies. And it begins to drop. And it'll cover an entire landscape and just water and refresh and saturate. This is what he's trying to picture about praise and worship. God's grace and God's goodness and God's power is always available. But if you create the right atmosphere, literally God will liquefy it. And he will show up. And I don't care if you're all by yourself or you're in a room full of other believers. God will begin to to refresh and restore and saturate every single part of your life. It's a commandment, not a suggestion. God says, I will do this every single time. He commands the blessing wherever that atmosphere is about to be set. So here's here's my encouragement. Here's what I've been praying that we as a church would get a different mindset. That we wouldn't wait for Sunday morning hoping, man, I hope they got a good worship set. I hope they got certain people on the team because, man, I just love when they sing. And that all of those things would be wonderful byproducts. But that we would come on a Sunday morning and we would begin thanking the Lord. All morning long we begin praising his name. If we have to put on a praise tape and sing with it, we'd begin to create that atmosphere. We'd push aside all the frustration and we just begin to walk into his gates with thanksgiving. We begin to tell the story and remind ourselves, no, this is who God is, and this is what he's promised, this was already done, and what he's gonna keep doing. And we would already experience something shift in our heart so that there's a worshipful softness and a tenderness and an adoration that's already present when we walk into the sanctuary by the way be here on time why well because you know if you walk in late everybody else has done the heavy lifting you're you're depending on everybody else to get the thanksgiving and the praise going and you just kind of want to stroll in for the good stuff listen to me you're missing your opportunity too because you think you're going to walk in just because the present the worship's there the presence of the lord you still have to do thanksgiving and praise there's going to be a calibration of your heart be here on time and we all worship together from the moment the, the, the worship starts. We don't wait for Spencer or anybody in the worship team. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, clap. Listen, we're the ones we're, we're the ones exploding. They're just directing and facilitating because we've already made a decision. We don't praise because we feel like God's in the house. We praise because he's worth it because this is who he is. This is what he deserves. And so we're giving him what he deserves and then he responds in kind and commands the blessing. Listen, I'm telling you, the more we get in the last days, we're going to need this. And that's why he provided it. So we're never dry. We're never frustrated. We're never discouraged. Boy, we are refreshed every single morning with the dew of God's grace that just begins to drop on us because we created the right atmosphere. This works every single time. And I'm encouraging and challenging you to do this. Listen, there's more in your workbook. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, you know, I didn't teach a lot of it. Um, and don't forget this Friday night, I'd love to see every single person in our church out there because we're not just learning about this. We're not gonna cover this again. We're gonna talk about different expressions in worship and what do they mean? And why do we do them in this service? And, and listen, but as we do that, we're actually entering into his gates with thanksgiving, into praise, and we're flexing our muscles learning how to do this as a congregation. And then two days after Friday night, we're going to do it again on a Sunday morning. But we're going to watch this thing elevate. We're going to watch God come in quicker and His, his glory begin to weigh on us faster. We're going to watch people respond. And get their lives All right. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.